It is so good to see all of you guys on this wet and rainy Sunday morning. But we are glad that you are here. We also want to say good morning to those of you who are out there on the live feed. I'm looking at our camera right here that stayed home in your pajamas today. Can everybody here give them a round of applause? Hey, we're glad you're watching online anyway. And uh, we're glad to have those of you who got up today and uh, brushed your teeth and joined us here. Um, We're glad to have you. We're looking forward to a great Sunday today as we continue in our our Rooted series, really as we lead up to our 10-year celebration. And in this, we're reflecting about who we have been and what God has ahead for us, the roots that have brought us to this place, as well as the fruit that is to come. It's a new season. It's a perfect time to bring a friend. And so if God's putting somebody in your path that you can say, hey, I'd love for you to come check out my church This is a great week to do that, and in the weeks to come, it's a great opportunity to bring a friend. Because like I said, we're looking at our legacy and what we really want to be about and who we are as a local church here as Rock Hills Church, uh, meeting here in Hebner, but also in the bigger picture, who we are as a part of the church, right? I mean, the church that we see beginning in the book of Acts and continuing here 2,000 years later All over the world, it's still going. It's going right here in San Antonio, the church. And we're a part of it. And so we want Rock Hill's role to play a significant role in what the church is. And just the very fact that we're all still living and breathing and you were able to come to church today or even log in and watch online means that the legacy of the church is still being written. And God created the church and God intends for the church to be great And we, every single one of you watching or in your seats here today, you play a role in what the legacy of the church is. So it's part of your legacy as well, the story of your life. And so as I look at that, I go, I want to make this count. I want want our role here as a local church to truly make a difference, whether that's just making a difference in our neighbor across the street, making a difference here in our generation, in our community, Or hopefully it carries on even past that because of the love that we give to God and the love that we give to others. So as we come close to this 10-year mark that we're celebrating as a church, we're looking forward to what is ahead. And we're also looking kind of introspectively as a church community and saying, do we really reflect Christ? Is this really the church that God intends for us to be? Because I'll tell you as your pastor, I don't want us just to be some Americanized 21st century club that comes together and we talk about God on Sunday mornings and we sing some songs, but yet we're way off the mark of the church that God intends for us to be. So as I look a little bit introspectively at my own life and even at our church, I'm asking myself, Are we the kind of people that God has called us to be? The kind of church that Jesus would be proud of? Because we all know people, and to some degree this is their own issue, but they've got a problem with the church. It's not so much they have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with people who claim to follow Jesus so much so that they say, I would never go to a church because I don't want to be a part of that. So, We can't take the blame for all of that because everybody has their own reasons why they look at things the way that they do. But at the same time, I do want us to look at ourselves very honestly 
and say, are we being the body of Christ? Are we a good representation of who Christ wants to be within the world today? More so than representing our agenda, are we representing Christ? I read a quote this week that really kind of stuck with me. and said this, Too many Christians have grown to look more like their church, but not more like Jesus. And I want us to be Christians. In other words, we're reflecting Christ, Christians, more than we're Rockillians, right? We all live here and people go, okay, you guys go to Rock Hills. I want people to look at us and go, that must be what Jesus is like. I want us to live that kind of life. So as we get into this message today, I want us to ask ourselves a question. Well, how do we do that? That sounds great, Adam. But how do we really live that out? And I want to say that it's really simple. But it's not going to be easy. It's not easy to live this out. It's a challenge for all of us. And I will even say that if you grew up in a church setting, it may even be more difficult for you. Because you're going to have a bunch of, yeah, but what about this and what about that? And it can't be that easy, right? And, well, what about if somebody's living this way or that way? And if we have a religious mindset, sometimes it can be even more difficult. We saw Jesus addressing the same types of things throughout the Bible, right? As he talked to religious people, and he says, guys, it's really simple. And they had a lot of, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? So as we look at this, I want us to take an honest look at ourselves and um, really, really look at our, search our hearts to ask, are we personally living the kind of life that Jesus wants to live? And then as a church... Are we truly living the life that God wants us to live as a faith community? And that can be difficult because nobody wants to go to a coach or a counselor or even a trusted friend and have them say, listen, I need to have an honest talk with you. Here's some things that you're really not good at. You think you're good at these things, but you're not good at these things. And you need to work a lot on these things in your life. Now, we all probably need to hear those things, but none of us like hearing those things. They're hard to hear. So as we get into this series today, I want us to look at some of those things because we want to be the church. And the church, as we've talked about many times, it's not that a building is sacred. Jesus came and he died and when he rose again, he gives us the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit is within each one of us and what is sacred is the people. That's you and I. We are God's holy place. We are the church. It was never meant to be a building that you go to on Sundays. It was meant to be your life that is holy and sacred as we live this out within the community, within our families, when we go to work that we take the church everywhere we go. And that's where we see the legacy of the church, is when people can look at us and say, well, that's what Jesus must have created. That's what the church is. We want to be that kind of people. So where do we start, right? I mean, if we're going to do that, what kind of life do we need to be living as individuals and as a church community as well? And really, it starts with the most basic of questions that I think we all ask ourselves As we look at a relationship with God, whether you're searching for God and you don't really know about this, or whether you've been walking with God for many, many years, we still ask this question, and that question is simply, what is God's will for my life? And I can answer that question for you. Again, it is so simple, but it is not easy at all. And that's the first thing we want to get to today, is that God's will is simple, 
but it is not easy. Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40 says this, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So this guy comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I I want the big picture. I want to know how do I know what God's will is? What is the most important thing for me to be doing if I'm going to live this out? And Jesus says, I can sum that up for you really easy. You can take in the Old Testament, they had 660 plus laws that they had to follow to be holy, to live right. And Jesus said, let me sum that up for you in two simple things. I want you to love God with all that you are And I want you to love other people as much as you love yourself. And there may be some of you going, I don't like myself at all. But he knows this. We all have a selfish nature that we look out for us when it comes down to it. And Jesus is saying, I want you to look out for other people just as much as you look out for yourself. Love God and love others. This is something you'll hear all the time around Rock Hills because this is the core of who we are. When it comes down to it, for us... It is about love. Love God and love people. Love God and love others. Again, it's simple, but that's so hard to do sometimes. I mean, even if we just take a step back and look at the big picture of the church as a whole, not just Rock Hills, but even maybe if we look at ourselves as a faith community, we can see this is where we've missed it sometimes. Right? Maybe there's been times in church history where people have said, we're going to love God, and they just seclude themselves and separate themselves, and they pray and they worship, and they don't love anybody outside of those four walls. They just say, to hell with the rest of the world. Right? And the church has gotten off track that way. Or maybe even times in history, the church has said, hey, well, let's do good things for people. And they've done acts of kindness, but somewhere along the line, They've forgotten to love God and make Him their first love and priority. Or maybe, even at times, if we're really honest, we've forgotten to do both things entirely. And we've just made this a social club where we come together and you hear somebody talk and you hear some songs, but it doesn't go into our hearts. And we don't love God and we certainly don't love other people. And if that's the case, we miss the mark all together. So the mission of Rock Hills Church is really very simple. It's to love God and to love others. That's what we're all about. And really, that's a no-brainer. I mean, this is the great commandment that Jesus gives us. Really, this should be every church's mission. So it's almost really too simple. So we want to spell it out a little more specifically. And so we added this phrase to what we're all about. We're here to love God, love others, and help people find And follow Jesus. So the way we want to love God and love others as we are finding Jesus and discovering God's goodness, we want to help other people do the same thing. So as we continue our walk with God, whether you're a new Christian or you're just seeking God or you've been walking with God for a long time, this just keeps going and going. It's kind of cyclical. It keeps getting bigger and bigger like roots on uh, rings on a tree as a tree grows, right? 
We continue to discover Jesus and we help other people find Jesus and discover Jesus. So as we continue to love God and love others, the point is it continues to grow. Because as we love somebody else and help them discover what we have found, which is simply what God asks us to do. He doesn't ask you to be me or you to get up here and do what Megan does. He just wants you to be you. And as you do that, you help other people discover God who then go on to help other people discover God, who then go on to help other people discover God. It's not a pyramid scheme, I promise. But we just keep going and going and going. That's the great commission as we live this out. So this is really in three parts, and this is why we're here. We sincerely want to love God and love people by helping them discover how to love God and grow in Him. So to make it even a little bit more practical, here's the way that we want to do that. So just to be kind of practical with you guys today. These are three key pieces for us as a church in our strategy. Relationship, discipleship, leadership. So in other words, it all starts with a relationship, our relationship with one another. That's where it begins. And as we grow, we grow closer to Christ and we walk, we're discovering Jesus. That's our discipleship. And then we're helping other people to do that. That is our leadership. So this is how we are helping people find and follow Jesus. But it all begins with relationship. And that's where we want to focus today because we believe that as we love others well, then we can help them as we continue to love God, we can help them love God as well, which leads to discipleship and then on to leadership. So you've heard us say many times around here, if you've been around here at all, come as you are. And we are a church that 100% believes that you are welcome to come as you are, just like you are, no matter what background you come from, no matter what beliefs you may come in here with or what problems you have had, how many times you've been married, how many times you've been locked up, no matter what you've gone through in your life, we believe that you are welcome here and you can come as you are. I look at it this way. We are a church that doesn't believe that you need to get cleaned up before you take a shower. So you just come on in as dirty as you are, and we develop relationship. That's the first step to us as a church as we want to develop a relationship with you, with each other. And so all the things we talk about, the announcements that you hear, it's for that goal because we want to develop a relationship, not just within these four walls, but we believe that we're people who are supposed to do that everywhere we go because we're not just the church when we're in here, we're the church when we're out there as well. So when you go to work, when you go to school, When you're in your neighborhood, we believe that we're supposed to be developing a relationship. We believe that the church should look very different. We're not expecting you to come in here and that everybody's going to look the same. We said a couple of weeks ago, we believe part of the legacy of our church is not only our unity, but our diversity as well. So we believe that God wants to bring people in from all different backgrounds, from all different neighborhoods, no matter where you come from. We believe that you can come as you are, and that's where we begin by developing a relationship. How we respond to people and how we receive people, whether that's in the church or outside of the church, makes a huge difference because that is evidence of how we love people. And the way that we love people is going to end up determining the legacy that we leave. 
next thing we want you to know today is that the way we love others is the legacy that we will leave. When we're talking about here in our church community, as well as when we're talking about outside these doors, the way that we love others is the legacy that we will leave. The legacy that we leave should always point to Jesus. So people should be able to look at our lives and say, man, the, the love that I see within them, I see Christ within them. And that should point them to Jesus. If you think about the people in your life, as I think about the people in my life who have made the biggest difference in my life, it wasn't because they were so extremely talented, you know, because they were great at sports or they were successful in their finances, you know, and had a great career. The people that made the biggest difference in my life and made the biggest difference in your life were people who loved you, right? That's the legacy that they left in your life. It's the people who simply spent time with you. The people who knocked on your door when you had had a bad day. The people who were there when you were sick. The people who were there when you lost your job. Those are the people who leave legacies in our lives because of the way that they love us. And the same is true for us. The way that we love others is the legacy that we will leave. Now, some of you may be feeling really uncomfortable right now and go, dude, I'm not a hugger. Are you, are you like telling me that we all got to, after the service, we're going to have a big group hug or something? That's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the way that we love others. If you're not a hugger, just keep giving those fist bumps, right? You don't have to hug people. The way that we love people is how we care about people. We ran into uh, somebody when we were taking Hannah to college a few weeks ago, and it got really awkward really quick because this guy was just like, oh, I love you guys so much. You guys are, I love you, and I love you, you know, and we were just like, oh, man, we hear you saying all these words, but it's not words. It's not necessarily hugs, although hugs are great in in their time and place, so I Don't get me wrong. I'm not downing hugs. You guys know what I mean. It's the time that we spend and the effort that we give to people that truly shows the love of Christ. John 13, 34 through 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So... There's a few huge things. Again, we have another commandment here, right? Jesus said, let me sum it up in two commands. And here we see him worded a little bit differently, but really the same thing. He said, love God with all your heart. Love God with everything you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on in this one to tell us, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. In other words, you can love people the same way that Jesus loves them. Now, just think about that for a second, because there are some people in our lives, you can think of them right now, go ahead and you can probably make a long list, that are really hard to love, right? It's just really hard to love those people. But Jesus says, you can love those people the same way that I love them. And not only that, but he goes on to say, the way that you love other people is the proof that you are someone who follows Jesus. So we could look at that the other way around. What does it say to people 
What does it say to the world? What does it say to our city? What does it say to our community if we don't love other people? Right? From the other way, if we look at that verse from the other way around, it says it's the proof that we're not following Jesus, at least not very well. I can remember uh, thinking back to legacy and my view of the church. Because honestly, I have a view of the church that a lot of people don't have. And you say, well, that's probably a good thing if you're a pastor, right? I've always had a view of the church that is different than a lot of people have. I have always loved the church. I remember growing up as a teenager, I wanted to go to church. I went to college, I wanted to go to church. I got a job in college working at a church. I've always loved the church. And I can trace that back to something that doesn't seem very spiritual at all, but I can see a legacy in it. When I was just a little bitty guy, a toddler even, a baby even, my parents went to a small Methodist church in West Texas. And uh, they were just young marrieds and uh, both come from different backgrounds in the faith and they were trying to figure all of this out. And for some reason, I don't know the reason, there was an older couple within that church named the Tyrus. And the Tyrus came to my parents and kind of took them under their wing and said, hey, bring your family and you guys come sit with us. We sat in those old pews, right? We sat in the pew with this family every single week. And often this family would invite us over to their house for hamburgers and swimming after church. And they just took our family under their wings. Now, this one particular man in the couple, an older retired couple, his name was Chester. And this was back in the old days where, you know, a guy wore a suit to church every week, right? He would wear his suit and tie and he had those suit pockets. But those suit pockets every week were stuffed with Jolly Ranchers. You guys remember Jolly Rancher candy, right? That hard candy. And he would give them out to the kids. But he sat right next to me every Sunday morning. And I don't remember a word of any single sermon that anybody in that church ever taught. And that's probably some of the way you guys feel as well. But during that message, I feel an elbow. And he would usually do this. He'd put his elbow right into my ribs and go like that, right in the middle of the service. And then I'd look over and he'd have a handful of Jolly Ranchers right there. And I, I wanted to go to church every Sunday. Because I wanted to sit next to Chester. And I loved going to church. And I look back at that. I don't remember a devotional. I don't even remember when we went over there. If he ever even said the blessing over the food. I don't remember any of that. But I know this. He showed my family love. And when my dad got cancer. When I was in about the first grade. It was the Tyrus who showed up. And they took us to school every day way out in the country. And they took care of us. And they were there through the good times and the bad times. It was the love of God shown through them, shown through something as simple as a piece of candy that made a legacy within my life. The way that we love people, the way that we love one another shows the people around us that we follow Jesus. Our love is our legacy. The way that this church loves other people is the way that other people are going to look at this church and go, you guys are legit or you're not legit. So the way that we love others 
truly does matter. Hannah, I mentioned we took her to college a few weeks ago, and uh, she's been trying to find a church. And if you guys have ever moved and you had a church that you were used to, and then, you know, whether it's your church or your hairdresser or whatever, you know, you got to find, it just changes everything, right? And so you got to go through this process. And so she's been looking at websites and she's been talking to people and all that. And she's like, Dad, what, what, are, the, what are the things that I really need to look for? And I told her, is it evident that they love God? And is it evident that they really love people, not only within the church, but they love people outside of the church as well? I said, if they got those things, then you're off to a really good start. And I want us as a church to be known for that as well. We could even go so far as to say we cannot separate loving God and loving people. Now, we could do it possibly the other way around. I would say probably all of us know someone who is not a Christian, but they are a very, very kind person, and they really love other people. You could look at this and go, you can love others and not necessarily love God, right? But you can't do it in the way that Jesus has called us to do it. You can't love God and not love other people. You can't love God and not love the other people who are here in this room, the people who are outside of these walls, the people in your life who are hard to love, right? Because even Jesus addresses this. It's easy to love people when we know we're going to get something back out of it. When there's a relationship that's two ways, it's harder to love people when it's just a one-way street. When you know that loving them is going to cost you and you're never going to get anything back out of it again, right? That's when it gets difficult. That's when... Our, our faith really shows we've been walking with Jesus because we can show the love of God even when we're not going to get anything out of it. And this is where a lot of people have a problem with the church. So when they look at the church and they say, well, you guys love God, but I don't really see you loving people. I don't want any part of that, right? I don't want us to be that kind of church. Paul expresses this in a very similar sentiment as he writes the Corinthians. He says this in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I am nothing but a creaking and rusting gate. In other words, I could could have the best words ever, but if there's no love with it, it doesn't matter. He goes on in verse 2. I could speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I am nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, Or what I do, I am bankrupt without love. No matter what our talent is, no matter how much we give, no matter how much we do, if we don't have love, it doesn't matter. He goes on to say in verse 4, he's going to give us some descriptions of how we live out this love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want 
what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always saying me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. That is a challenge right there. That is how God is calling us to live as Christians. That is how God is calling us to live as a church. Now it's going to look different in every one of our lives. Because God has put every one of us in different situations. So you're going to have different people that God calls you to show the love of God to, then He calls me to show the love of God to. And He may ask you to do it in different ways than He asked me to do it. But here's my question. Are we open and available to saying, God, would you use me to show the love of God everywhere I go? Not just maybe when I'm at work, maybe in my neighborhood, even when I'm just at home with closed doors, with my family, when I'm here with my faith community, everywhere I go, Father, would you use me? My prayer is that God would open our eyes to the opportunities that He places all around us. Uh, One book that I've been reading that's really challenged me in this is a book by Bob Bob Goff. It's called Everybody Always. It's just his testimony over and over about how he's looked for these opportunities and God has used him to make a difference in people's lives. Also, I have a little video testimony here for you of a guy who who did this very thing. Just, God, would you use me? Would you open my eyes to opportunities to love other people? I will give you a little disclaimer. At the end of the video, he's asking for people to give. It was was an online thing that went a bit viral as he asked people to help. We're not asking you to help, but I am including it because I want you to see one way that this guy made a difference in somebody's lives. Let's watch the video. Right after I moved here, this homeless girl stopped me. And I had to tell her, honestly, that I had no money. And she said to me, you better not, because I ask you every day, and you always say no. And I said, okay, I'm on my way to a job interview. If I get the job, I will take you out for Chinese food. That week, I got the job, and we celebrated together, and that was eight years ago. Since then, I've celebrated every holiday with Jackie, my birthday, her birthday, And in that time, she's gone from sleeping in the subway station to a halfway house to the YWCA around the corner. The good news I have is that Jackie's going to be moving into her own place. So last week, Jackie and I went to Target. I'll take pictures and video of everything we like, and we started a registry. And then we can have a gun we can take, and we will... (laughs) Laser gun, scanner gun, take that. When you give to Jackie, you also get a lot. For example, here is the scarf she knit me for my birthday last year. Here's the blanket she made me when my heater broke. Ten minutes later, the 
big sack of groceries. And for the rest of the winter, every day, she came by with a little treat for me, a present, a candy bar, or something. And she looked out for me until I got a new job. Run I was just one person trying to make a small difference in the life of just one person. So now, all of us together could make one really great difference in the life of just one really great person. Please help, please donate, please share. The balance will stay on that Target gift card because she's, well, her new apartment's kind of far from here, and Target's really close to me, and I'm really gonna miss her. So please help out. I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind That I put down in words How wonderful life is Now you're in the world I thought that was a pretty cool way to look out for other people. Um, I want to be honest with you guys as your pastor, because I never want to stand up here and be a, a hypocrite. And as I look at all of this and I'm praying about what the legacy of our church is and, and how I'm living my life personally, I have to be honest with you and say, I don't do such a great job at this. I need to do a lot better personally, because I'll be honest with you and tell you that I am guilty of avoiding the mess when I see the mess in people's lives it's easy for me to say, hey, I'll pray for you. And may, I will pray for you. If I tell you I'm going to pray for you, I will. But it's easy for me to leave it at that. Say, God, I, want, I hope you fix it, you know, and I'll keep my hands clean from that deal. It's easy for me to look the other way. When I see something that I could get involved in, but I know it's going to be hard for me to get involved in, it's easy for me to look the other way. It's easy for me to not say something because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings and, and just look the other way. It's easy for me to look out for myself rather than look out for other people. It's easy for me to love the people that are easy to love. You guys, it's harder for me to love people that I'm not going to get anything back from. It's easy for me at times to hold on to bitterness and not let it go and let that build a wall that keeps me from loving people. Even in that, I have to say I'm guilty of wanting people to fail rather than wanting God's very best in their lives. It's easy for me at times, I'll say I've been guilty. I've been guilty personally of being a poor representation of what the love of God looks like. I don't want to be that way as your pastor. I don't want to be that way as a husband. I don't want to be that way as a father. I don't want to be that way as your friend. I want to show the love of God in all that I do. It all starts with our relationship with one another, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. I want to do a better job at that. So in that, one of the things I've decided to do you put the guys group uh, slide up there starting on Wednesdays at noon. I know for some of you this time doesn't work at all. We've got other groups that go on as well, 
But if this time works for you at uh, Biggs, guys, we're going to have a discipleship group where we talk about loving God and loving other people. Just pretty simple, simply, not anything too complicated. So for any of you guys who want to be a part of that, we would love for you to come. Heather also mentioned our welcome lunch uh, that we've got coming up at uh, Luciano's in a couple of weeks. If you're new here to Rock Hills, this is the point of that lunch. It's to be able to connect in relationship with you. And so uh, when I say new, you may have been coming for several months, but you're like, okay, I want to I want to know the next step in getting connected. Uh, we would love for you to register for that and be a part of that as well. But the bottom line, we as a church, we want to love other people well. That is the legacy that we leave, period. Not the lunches that we have, not the things that we do or the songs that we sing on stage. All those things help us to love God and love others. The legacy that we will leave, the legacy that you will leave, is the way that we love others. And that cannot be separated from loving God. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you loved us when we were unlovable. You still love us, Father, not knowing whether you will get anything in return or not. Though we have betrayed you time and time again, Father, though we are guilty sinners, you chose to send Jesus to love us anyway. The love of God can't be stopped. And Father, it's because you love us so much that, Lord, we have no choice but to leave this place and love others. Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, to show love, to give love. And Father, if there's anybody here today that needs to begin that walk, begin that faith journey of just saying, I thank God for that love that has never given up on me. I thank Jesus for the cross. Lord, I pray that we could all do that today, whether it's the first time or the thousandth time. If that's you here today, I encourage you just to take a moment in your heart to surrender all that you are to Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins, to make us a new creation. Lord, that we might be your sons and daughters, fully loved with the covenant of God that can't be changed by anything, any circumstance or any situation. Thank you for the love of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.